0: Hey, everyone. Before we get started, we want to do another shout out for our listener survey, which
1: helps us tell our advertisers more about who's listening, and that really helps us. It also helps make our ads the sort of ads that you as a member of our audience want to hear in the first place. Like, we don't think we have a ton of spearfishing fans out there, but what if we do?
0: (laughs) We want to know. You can also tell us about what you want to hear us talk about on the show. The survey just takes a couple of minutes. You can skip questions if you want, and it's anonymous. You can find the link to the survey in the notes for this episode in our Instagram bio or in the sidebar of our website at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Thanks. My kids can't have hot dogs 365 days a year. What fresh
1: hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. I feel like my kids are my partners in crime now. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I have
0: my act together. I don't make my bed a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so
1: you don't have to. Memories, watercolor memories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we are talking about when is this going to be fun again? Yeah, I mean, I guess that presupposes that this was ever fun, which may be a topic for a different day, but I like this topic a lot. It's kind of like, if you're in a bad spell, when will this be fun again? You know, it's not like flipping a switch,
0: right? Like, this comes and goes with parts of your day, hour, and minute as a mom, And but I think it's okay to wonder when is this going to be fun again, and I think it's okay to work on making it a little more fun, so that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: And I think it's really, this is something I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for a while. We may do a longer episode around certain other topics on this. But I was speaking to somebody yesterday who doesn't have kids and was saying they're not sure they want them. And I was saying, I'm kind of like, you know, Cassandra in the myth. She's like the person who sees the future and is her curse is that she's constantly warning people about what's coming and nobody listens.
0: Nobody ever believes her. Nobody ever believes her. She's like the opposite of the boy who cried wolf,
1: who lied and everybody believed him. She tells the truth and nobody believes her. That's right. And I often say like, I feel sometimes like the Cassandra of motherhood, like, guys, listen. (laughs) I know you're picturing the Hallmark commercial where everybody's gathered around on Christmas morning, loving each other and exchanging gifts, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes with it, you know, and I'm all for having kids, but I do think the kind of in the same way that like when I see... Have you ever seen those pictures where like people get married at Disneyland and they're dressed as Cinderella and Prince Charming and they're like being carted around in the coach? You know, this is a service that Disneyland offers. Yes. I just think to myself when I see these pictures, you have a fundamental misconception about what marriage is. Like it's really not Cinderella and Prince Charming. It's more like hiking partners on a very challenging mountain climb. And I worry about people who are like, it's a big fairy tale in front of a castle. And and similarly, I think like the idea that parenting is fun, we should maybe dispel people of that a little bit.
0: I'm going to say you can focus on fun. You can make it more fun for yourself. I've done a little research on this and I feel like there are things you can do to make it better for yourself, but it's also okay to not love every minute of parenting. Nobody does.
1: Yes. I mean, we are fundamentally agreeing. Like I'm not saying that like, You need to understand that parenting is a long slogging nightmare of doom. Like, maybe sometimes, but parenting is not terrible. But I think sometimes you go into it and it's like it's all baby snuggles and fun. And you and your gorgeous husband who have a baby who looks like both of you are just like throwing it up in the air and laughing. Like, I think the concept gets a little away from us.
0: And here's the problem. When that becomes something else else that you put on your pile of feel bad right like and on top of everything that's exactly why it worries me that's right yeah i'm not good at this and i'm supposed to be loving it and i kind of don't i'm kind of feeling this is overwhelming and the pumpkin patch is supposed to be fun and i'm not having any fun at all and there must be something wrong with me it's not something that you
1: should take on additional guilt about no and i will say as an oldie locks there are many things that work to my detriment, such as like hurting myself by getting out of bed in the morning. Like there's lots of bad things about being older. (laughs) But one good thing about being older is that I have gained some wisdom and perspective. And I give you to me one thing that in my 40s, let's say, I have really discovered is the key to happiness. And that thing is expectation management. Like, I think that I have a tendency, maybe because like, I'm a writer, and I feel that I have a pretty good imagination. But I sometimes my imagination takes me to bad places in which I'm like, Oh, my husband's out of the house. It's near my birthday. It must be because he's planning this giant trip to Paris, where he flies me there on a hot air balloon. Like, and then I'm like, Oh, he got me a thing instead, you know. And so I think I have a tendency to like, I imagine this wonderful scenario. And so I spend too much time feeling disappointed. And in my forties, I have learned the simple joys of expectation management. To just not want too much in the first place. This sounds a little sad. I mean, it sounds depressing. It does sound sad. And I feel like this is the kind of advice that older people gave me when I was younger. And I was like, you're a loser and you've given up on life. But I do think that like, What ruins the pumpkin patch is the pumpkin patch is going to be us frolicking along and getting amazing pictures of my beautiful kids hugging each other near pumpkins. And, You're setting yourself up for failure by doing that kind of expectation stuff. What's going to make Christmas great is everyone's having a great time. What's going to make Christmas great, and we talked about this on the holidays episode, it's going to be a bit of a hot mess, but we're all going to be in it together. And since we're expecting a hot mess, we're going to delight in that when it comes.
0: It occurs to me that maybe the problem is, as you were saying, like to expect these snow globe moments to be all fun when they're not. And by snow globe, I mean, you know, like here we are seeing the Rockettes in New York City or whatever. And then if there's something not fun in that, therefore, the whole thing has to be thrown out or that you think that fun and lightheartedness and memorable parenting can only occur when you're taking the kids to see the Rockettes and not when you're, you know, at home, like cutting out something from construction paper that fun can also be in those little moments that aren't at Disney World.
1: Absolutely. And that's when they're going to be like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I guess I am because I'm saying don't have children. I'm Cassandra. But (laughs) I mean, really, other than that, though, I will say, I mean, I just have a friend who has a brand new baby and I'm like, oh, you're in it. Good luck. But like the happiest memories of my life that I think of do occur since I first started having children 11 years ago. They are like the strongest, most memorable, most wonderful moments of my life. Mm -hmm. But the hardest, most anxious-filled memories of my entire life are also in that same period. Like it kind of ups the ante. Like, And I had very bad postpartum anxiety with my first baby, which I didn't even realize what it was at the time. But I was talking maybe to my mom or maybe to a therapist. I don't remember who I was saying this to, but I was like, it's like a door has opened in my mind to like every bad thing that can ever happen to a small person. (laughs) Like, it literally is like having this piece of yourself that walks around in danger. And you always think for yourself, like, this is why people misjudge like that driving a car is safer than being in an airplane, because you're in control. And so with myself, I'm like, I'll like, you know, I'm going to be fine driving. I can handle it. But like my teenager driving, that's horrifying Mm -hmm. to me. I see. That's interesting. And so your love of yourself is equal and more so your love of your child. But your control over them is very low. It's the worst possible situation. It is extremely high stakes, extremely low control, and that's really hard. And you should acknowledge how hard that is.
0: And we connect fun with lightheartedness, right? I mean, they're they're certainly related, but they're not the, necessarily the same thing. And you're not lighthearted with anything regarding your baby or your teenager driving. And so you still have to have fun at times that aren't
1: necessarily lighthearted. Hmm, I guess it might be
0: kind of tricky after all.
1: And I think that what I'm saying about expectation management is that Somebody said this. I wish I knew who said this. I'll try to Google it and see if I can find it. But I'm not taking credit for it. I didn't say it. It was somebody deciding whether or not to have kids. And they were like, you know, pros, you know, somebody to take care of it. We're old. We love them. Blah, blah, blah. Cons. We love to travel. We couldn't do that with kids. We have a lot of freedom to make choices. Like they were really sussing it out. And they just kept going back and forth. Like, ah, it all seems kind of equal. Like we could do either. And then finally, the husband was like, I just feel like having kids is full human experience. And they wrote that at the bottom of the list and they were like, Mm. okay, that's the deal breaker for us. We're going to go for it. We're going to try this. And on our friends without kids episode, I was talking to my friend without kids about this. And we were laughing about how when she's enjoying her like champagne brunch, I like to drive by and scream. You're not having the full human experience at her because like, there is a lot to say for not doing this too. And there's a lot (laughs) of reasons for not doing this. I don't actually believe that you can't have a full human experience without children, but I think that full human experience. So anyway, in the article, they're saying to each other constantly while like the baby's like having a diaper blowout at 3 a.m. and the air conditioning's out and they're, they're like always looking at each other and being like full human experience. And it's like, I just think if your goal is more like we're in it, it's easier to deal with than your goal is like every moment is, as you said, I think very well snow globe moment.
0: So can we go back to the topic suggestion? yes.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. We're 10 minutes in. Let's talk about the actual topic. We're 10 minutes in because, of course,
0: the people listening. Yes. Have already made the decision to have the full human experience, which is better. You guys, it's better. It's totally better. (laughs) Missy in Minnesota gave us this topic suggestion. So I'll explain what she says here. She says, I've got a busy three-year-old boy, a busy one-and-a-half-year-old boy. Missy, you did not have to specify that they were busy. We, We can imagine that. And a baby due next summer. I mean this. Oh, Missy, I feel your pain. I've done it. Yes. Missy says, I mean this in the best way possible, but when would you say things that are supposed to be fun are actually really fun again? She gives another Christmas example. She says, decorating my house for Christmas. I can't put anything out on a surface my children can reach because it's broken in four seconds. Cue my mother-in-law, who has bought us an absurd amount of delicate, breakable holiday house decor that I can't put out. And then she wonders where it is. Or just generally things that you imagine being really fun, but end up being a lot of work and end up with a cranky family. So she wants us to talk about that.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. I got a lot to say about this because I was exactly (laughs) it's Missy, right? Yeah, I was in Missy's shoes. Exactly. I had a four year old, a three year old and an infant. And let me tell you, I was saying on the toddler episode that I went back to visit the house where I raised my kids thinking that I would be like, oh, memories, watercolor memories. And instead I walked up and it was like the scene from Star Wars where like the voices from the past, like overwhelm you in terror, like. I walked up and I just got, like, horror chills all through my body. Like, it was not fun. And I remember telling my mom that I was pregnant with my third and she had had three kids each 12 months apart. I had three kids 18 months apart. Slacker. Yeah, I was totally down (laughs) on my game. And by the way, like, had my first at 37, so I wasn't really making a plan. I was just like, let's see if we can have a couple of kids because I wanted, I came from a big family, I thought it would be fun. And so... When I told her I was pregnant with my third, you know, she wasn't like, great job. I'm so excited. She was like, yeah, it's going to be a really hard couple of years. And she wasn't wrong. And that's like, I loved my mom's like practicality. Like she and I are very simpatico and like, it's not for everybody, but like, it wasn't fun at all. I mean, there were moments of fun. And I look back at the pictures. Thank God there is a biological imperative that makes them adorable because they were so cute, but mostly it was terrible. It was tired. It was three kids. I said, my brother called me at some point when I had a baby, just one. He has four. And he said, how's it going? And I said, oh, there's good days and bad days. And he's like, yeah, when you have more, you can have good days and bad days on the same day. Hmm. And it was so right. And like, that's it. Like, someone's always having a bad day. Like, if you've got one, you've got a chance that you get through the day pretty well. But like with three, someone's always having a bad day it's so tough and missy i feel you and i will tell you and i said this on the toddlers episode people who come up to you and are like little people little problems only gets worse are lying i now have an 11 year old a nine year old and a seven year old and we're having a lot of pretty good times Well, okay. So I want to
0: say to Missy that I think it definitely gets easier. I mean, of course it does, right? As they get, there's breaks. (laughs) It's less incessant, as we were saying during the Toddlers episode. But just because you get more breaks doesn't necessarily mean it gets more fun or more lighthearted. Like for me, like after dinner, we have dinner as a family and then my kids like go to their rooms and do their homework. Like it's like... Silent is the tomb in my house from 7 to 9 p.m., and it is wonderful in some ways. I wouldn't say it's necessarily fun or lighthearted, so I want to sort of separate out that hard is not fun and easy is fun, and that's not necessarily the case. I think you can have fun in the midst of the madness, and you can be, you know, lonely when your kids are not giving you any trouble at all. That's not fun either. So I feel like how hard it is makes it hard to have fun, but it's only one part of it.
1: Yes, I agree, but I have a strong counter argument, I think. So we're going to come right back with that. Beachbody
0: On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime.
1: I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say. Fun and highly intense, but Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes.
0: And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone, smart TV,
1: anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 30, 3030.
0: 30. You will get free full access to the entire Beach Body on Demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting laughing to
1: 303030. 30 30. Check it out. Thrive Cosmetics is back as a sponsor this week. Guys, their liquid lash extension mascara, I fully endorse it to you personally.
0: You know, the first time I ever traveled with Margaret and we were sharing a hotel room, I had to borrow her mascara. And you actually said to me, I kind of know a lot about mascara. And I must say, Margaret prides herself on knowing what the best mascara is. You
1: know, I'm a wispy eyelash sufferer, Amy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I have had to rely on mascara. You know, like uh, the play, I've had to rely on the kindness of strangers. I've had to rely on the power of mascara. Uh And let me tell you that Thrive Cosmetics mascara is what it's about. It makes your lashes, my sad little wispy, are they even there, translucently white lashes look long, dark and luxurious. I love that. Yeah, it really works.
0: Here's another thing to love about Thrive Cosmetics. For every product purchase, they donate to nonprofit
1: partners that help women thrive. Like women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, and fighting cancer. Start thriving and help women in need today by going to thrivecosmetics.com slash whatfreshhell. And when you use
0: the code whatfreshhell, you'll get 15% off your first purchase.
1: That's Thrive Cosmetics, T H R I V E C A U S E M E T I C S dot com. I did it. Slash <laughs> what fresh hell and get 15% off with the code what fresh hell. Amy, we're back. And I think fun is an interesting concept, right? Like, I would argue this strongly. Toddler hood, the fun can be very easily eclipsed by the constantness and the terror factor. And what I mean is this, like, it is hard to have fun, even if you're at the park or doing something ostensibly fun. It is hard to have fun when you are constantly worried that one of your children is going to be hideously injured in some way, which I feel like with four, three, and baby, you spend so much time in that headspace that it is pretty hard to find the fun. And Christmas morning Mm -hmm. is mostly about don't ruin the ornaments don't Christmas season is often about that. And like birthday parties are mostly about like, come on, let's keep them occupied, get them cake and get out of here. And The ability to have fun, I think, is so hampered by that. And when you were talking about you and your kids at this point, like I think about like I was at your birthday party. Right. And it's like the family, the whole family, including kids, were really having fun together. That is something that is just absolutely unattainable when you have little tiny kids, right? Nobody was in diapers. Basically, your birthday party at, you know, whatever it would be 10 years ago, was basically like, there's a pond nearby, I cannot enjoy anything, because I'm worried that the three year old will somehow run towards it. You know what I mean? Yeah, my birthday party is only
0: fun if my kids aren't at it when they're
1: four, three and a baby. That's right, and I still, in fact, I was considering briefly bringing my kids to your birthday party, and we ended up having a really, really fun time at your birthday party, and both my husband and I on the way home were like, oh, thank God we didn't bring our kids, because our kids are still a little too young to be fun without any worry, you know? And is it possible that your tween is going to pout through the whole thing because something went wrong for them? It is possible. But I do think that, like, I would say to Missy that fun comes back. About five when you're not constantly worried about your children injuring yourself. Mm -hmm. And you just said something else that
0: reminds me of something that I've hit on before and I need to like realign myself with that. One of your kids, as your brother was saying, you can have good days and bad days on the same day because once you have multiple human beings in your house, everybody's on their own path. Right. And your tween can pout through your birthday party. And that doesn't have to mean your birthday party isn't fun and you're not enjoying it and being lighthearted. Like your kids can you can't ride the same roller coaster as your moody teenager or your sick kid or whatever. You have to find a way to be lighthearted even when things are stressful. And that's available to you. I think it takes a little bit of work, but it's not worth doing because you'll be a better parent. It's worth doing because you will live a happier life yourself. So I think it's worth finding that stuff.
1: Well, it's really interesting, because I hadn't thought of it that way. Because what you're basically talking about is like, there is a fundamental separation that happens with your kids when they're three or four. And so you lose some great stuff, which is like, constant like snuggle up time them thinking the sun rises and sets with you those are great things when you have little little kids but the separation that happens is really important and I think it reintroduces some of the fun because you can choose to be like Okay, go up in your room and be mad at everyone. We're downstairs, like having a great dinner and chatting. That's true. But with a three year old, you are so tied to everything they're doing and they make or break every moment, you know? And thank goodness then their fun is that they're cute and they're so funny. We were just with my two and a half year old nephew and my 18 month old niece. And like, they are so funny. The things they do and just the things they come up with and the way they act and like, They just make you laugh because they're just adorable creatures. But as the parent, I think they are kind of fun killers because everywhere you go, your fun is sublimated to keeping them safe. Mm -hmm. And when they're older, that's right. Like maybe I'm unique in this experience, but I find my life with older kids so much more fun. And people always tell me, oh, but you're in the sweet spot because then they're going to become teens and they hate you. But like, okay, fine, maybe. But there is something about the period where like, they're not actively trying to hurt themselves all the time. And you can have conversations with them. And you can really do stuff like I, Amy refers to me sometimes as the idea canon because I do I'm always like let's try this let's try this (laughs) and then like with the podcast I was like hey let's start a musical version whatever like I'm always like here's an idea and I feel like my kids are my partners in crime now and I love it I'm like you know what we could do my son's into trains right now and I'm like I bet we could find a train that we could all sleep on one night and like look out the dome car and like see cool things in the fall and like We're looking into it. Turns out it's wildly expensive to do that. So it may or it may not happen. But like we took an RV trip as kids. I always wanted to go in an RV. And I'm like, come on, kids, let's get in the RV. Like, I wouldn't go in an RV if I didn't have kids. Like my husband and I are going to go spend money and go around in an RV. But like, I think it's really fun with my kids now. I really am having fun with them. I feel like, Missy, I offer you hope from the future. Well, you're hitting on something that I think is a
0: takeaway, no matter how old your kid is, which is the child-led thing that, you know, if you want your kids to be enthusiastic about something, then leave with a thing they're enthusiastic about. Like, maybe, Missy, you don't love Thomas the Tank Engine, but your kid does, and so you can go to the train museum, or you can just play trains on the floor and just land, and your kid will stay there. It's like the bathtub Legos we were talking about in the toddlers episode. Like, your kid loves baths, your kid loves Legos, who cares? That's not a combination that goes together, but they're happy there. And sort of landing and staying where your kid is deeply content Is a way for you to take a breath and have a little bit of lightheartedness in the middle of a crazy busy day.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, I think that you can have fun with four, three, and one. And I think, I remember, I mean, this is like taking me back to my college days where we were all so deep and we would sit around and be like, happiness isn't even the point of life. The point of life is to strive. You know, like, I think that fun is kind of a dangerous thing to put at the top of your triangle. I talk a lot on about the triangle for me. Like, what's the top? Like, what's the most important thing? And there's an, a meme. I'm not going to quote it correctly right now, but Amy, maybe you've seen it. It's like three points, and it's like clean house, calm mom, something, good meals or something. And it's like, you have to pick one. Like, you're not going to have all three of these things. Like, you have to pick. Mm. One has to come out. And... I think that that's a really good thing to keep in mind. Like, where is fun in your triangle? It's probably maybe not the top, because I think keeping your children alive is the top of the triangle when you have kids under five. I'm going to take the other side of this, or at least potentially take the other side of it. I mean, of
0: course, you're right. You have to feed. You have to do like there's stuff that has to happen. Like you have to get them to bed tonight. But I'm going to give you a quote from Danielle Laporte, who is a wellness coach,
1: author, Living your best life. Coming in armed with research to debate me, Amy. This is just so typically you. Love it. I love this. She says,
0: knowing how you want to feel is the most potent form of clarity you can have. So she would argue that, okay, I want to be more lighthearted. I want our home to have more fun and more joy in it. That That is really potent just to set that intention for yourself and know it. And then she says, the next step is to make the connection between this is how I want to feel and this is how I'm going to create those feelings. I was just saying like, okay, so do Thomas the Tank Engine all the time if that's what your kid wants to do. And it seems to me like, okay, that's maybe Danielle Laporte would say, but that's not how you're finding your joy. That's how you're finding a peaceful afternoon with your kid's joy. I think it's okay to figure out what's important to you and set your intention toward it. Like, I really love being outside. I really love watching old movies. And it's okay to prioritize those things and lean into those things and lean away from, like, the precious Christmas decorations your mother-in-law got you that she wishes were out in your house. If those aren't important to you, then I think you can
1: remove those from the screen. Oh, those should definitely come off your list, Missy. Come off your list.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because they're important to her. That's okay. They're not important to you. And, you know, I mean, I get it. There's going to be... There's some day when your kids won't be grabbing that stuff and you're going to get them out. You know, I mean, I use the bowl that my friend gave me when my friends come over like you do that. That's kindness. I'm not saying don't be kind, but I'm saying you can definitely cross off your list right now. But what will she think about this thing that I don't have time to do in this whirlwind that is my life?
1: Yeah. And I think we're fundamentally agreeing. I think the difficulty of having really young kids is like all joy has left my life. And that's the way you kind of feel. I think. Part of that is just, I think what you're saying is redefining access points to happiness and fun that can fit in with the realities of your life. Because I think feeling that like, as you said, feeling like this should be fun and it isn't is making it worse. Mm -hmm. And so redefining it as like, I want to have more fun in my life. So maybe there are other things in my life that have to be let go. So I want my house to be spotless and have fun with my three kids under five. Those things may be fundamentally incompatible. So like it may involve letting go of some things to let more room in for fun. Because you have to understand that like what used to be a very open triangle is now very, very crowded because you've got a lot of other people's needs that kind of are non-negotiables, feeding them, keeping them safe. You know, those things take a huge amount of bandwidth, for lack of a better word. And so I do think that saying to yourself and making a priority of like, what's fun? Is it fun after bath time to turn really loud music on, even if the house is messy, even if that's the time I usually clean up everything and let the kids dance around naked for half an hour? It's fun, you know, like whatever, like finding things that make things more fun.
0: It's so lighthearted to me, like before I started thinking about this, lighthearted would mean, ah, just who cares, just let it go, you know, just let it all hang out, right? Right. And then as I started thinking about that, I'm like, okay, for me at least, being more lighthearted is actually intentional. And it's like setting priorities for myself. And the priority is like, yeah, we're going to have time to sit around after dinner. Like family dinner is becoming very important to me as my kids get older and have more and more lives outside the house. That's really important to me. We have to be kind of intentional. Or, you know, my husband will text me and say, I'm going to be home for dinner tonight because, he, you know, he works, he travels. If he's going to be home for dinner, it's extremely important that we hold dinner. Even if one of my kids is like, "Whoa, I'm hungry. I have to study. You know, that, like, nope, we're going to have dinner. We're going to sit down and... That sounds like the opposite of lightheartedness. But the five of us sitting together, getting our teenagers full attention and talking to them about whatever, that's the goal, right? That's the end goal. And there has to be intentionality to make it happen. So it's okay to be intentional about your fun creating. That isn't like the opposite of fun to make a plan.
1: Yeah, I think that can be really true. And I also think that like looking back on the years that I found the least fun, if I could take one chip from Missy's brain and go back and take it from my own brain, I think it would be that there's a lot of expectations around stuff that I could have probably taken out of the equation and like making a healthy dinner every single night. Maybe I tried, but like sometimes – You know, heating up microwave pizza and eating it while playing outside and letting them run by and take a bite while they keep playing. Like, not every single night is a learning experience and not every single night is like a step towards college. You know what I mean? Like, I put a lot of that stuff on myself when I was in that phase. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, I did a lot of nonsense back then in terms of like, you know, I must limit screen time to this amount of time, and I must always have family dinner because I was always like, "That's so important to me, family dinner." Like, family dinner is important now when my kids are in middle school. It's really important for you when they're in high school when they can sit still, right? It's not that important when you have a four, three, and one year old. Like, right? You're spending a lot of time together. You're okay. You know, it's going to be fine. You know, the, specific to the dinner, I had to have that explained
0: to me by a friend of mine who doesn't have kids. Like, truth bomb that changed my life. I was sort of like you know beating myself up to her over the phone saying like oh I don't know like and I'll probably be like hot dogs for dinner again because I didn't get to this and she was like but don't they like it better when it's hot dogs for dinner and I was like what The, the heavens opened up like my kids are happier when it's pizza hot dogs chicken nuggets they like that Better And why am I feeling so bad about that? I mean, obviously, my kids can't have hot dogs 365 days a year, though I tried. But it was okay. It was not only okay, it was fun. It was lighthearted. It was no problem.
1: And I had to have that pointed out to me. Oh, uh-huh. it's good to have people who point out our nuttiness, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> That's what we try to do for people on the podcast. Yes. you nuts, guys. Relax. I
0: have some science about happiness and why it's hard to like, be fun and lighthearted and stay that way. Oh, Can I give it to you after the break? Please do. All right.
1: I've mentioned on the show a couple of times that my mom was a family therapist, and that was a good thing for me for a lot of reasons, really. But chief among them may have been that I grew up knowing that professional help when you're struggling is totally reasonable. It can be a really good idea. And now, thanks to BetterHelp, it's available
0: to anyone, no matter where you live. More than 3,000 licensed BetterHelp therapists are available nationwide by text, chat, phone, and video on your
1: desktop or on the BetterHelp app. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in issues like stress, anxiety, depression, relationships, family conflicts, LGBTQ needs, grief, self-esteem, and more. Fill out a questionnaire,
0: and you can help BetterHelp assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor you love. And if you don't
1: match with a particular counselor, it's really easy to get a new one. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com forward slash fresh and use the code fresh to get 10% off your first month. Plus, financial aid is available for those who qualify. That's betterhelp.com slash fresh and use the code fresh
0: for 10% off your first month of BetterHelp Counseling. Bombas
1: makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but
0: I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snugly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> And there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently so it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy and I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I want
1: you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for (laughs) you. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three thousand giving partners give a pair when you buy a pair
0: and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing
1: that's b-o-m-b-a-s.com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase bombas.com slash laughing and now when exactly will it get better from the what fresh Hell podcast Age zero.
0: Okay, this is happening 24 hours a day. It has to get better than this, right? Ages one and two. There's definitely not as much unstoppable crying, but now the whining has started and my eyeballs are actually bleeding from lack of sleep. Maybe the next phase is better.
1: Ages 3 and 4.
0: I'm basically the prisoner of a small, unreasonable dictator. I'm sleeping more, but it would be a stone cold lie to describe this as better. Ages 5 and 6. School has started. Kid is out of the house for several hours a day. There's still a lot of issues, but I'm not gonna lie, this is marginally better. Ages 7 and 8. I'm a full-time cook and taxi driver, and my clients are often angry and impossible, but they poop in the toilet and can almost manage to bathe themselves. I feel a stirring of hope. Ages nine and 10, we're doing the school thing. We're playing some board games and spending a lot of time at children's activities, but there is some actual self-care going on, along with occasional moments of real fun. My child is, dare I say it, kind of sweet. I'm genuinely hopeful. This is better, guys. Ages 11 and 12. Uh Uh-oh, my sweet child, now rolling his eyes at me every single moment he's awake, and I have a bad feeling it's only a harbinger of the terrible to come.
1: Ages 13 and 14. I hate you, Mom.
0: This seems right in a definite
1: not better way.
0: Ages 15 and 16. I really hate you, Mom. Still not better. Thanks for asking. Ages 17 and 18. Child is large and occasionally angry, but is also making tons of plans to leave the nest. I spend much of the time crying openly that it all went by too fast. I think maybe we should have another baby. This has been When Exactly Will It Get Better? From the What Fresh Health Podcast. All right, I'm going to blind you with science, Margaret. She blinded me with science. (laughs) By the way, old
1: logs alert on that song. Back in my day. Gretchen Rubin. I'll put a link in the show page. Oh, Gretchen Rubin has figured everything out about how to be happy. Oh,
0: Gretchen Rubin. Well, she has a list of how to be more lighthearted about her parenting and her approach to things is, shall we say, more of an
1: Amy approach than a
0: Margaret approach.
1: (laughs) That is not surprising. No. Having met Gretchen Rubin and read her books. She's definitely... Act together, lady. I don't consider us in the category of like Laverne and Shirley or like, you know, Monica and Rachel. Speaking of old deluxe. <laughs> I'm going way back. Old deluxe. Back in my day. But I will say that we have started to realize that people are either Amy's or Margaret's and Gretchen Ruman is one hundred percent an Amy. She is Amy.
0: Plus, So yeah, like, so her, one of her lighthearted hearted tips is to get up half an hour before the kids do to get up even earlier, because no, thank you. But I get it. Because it's like, I do this, I get my coffee, I'm like, okay, phew, what am I going to do today? And I get time to myself and get the cup of coffee in me before the kids wake up. I am a more lighthearted hearted parent when I'm not also rushing at the same pace as they are. No, thank you to that tip. Yeah, I knew you'd say no way to that. But it's not happening. But she put me on to this notion of the hedonic adaptation. And I love a little science.
1: Uh, I mean, I'll listen, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But go ahead. So hedonic
0: adaptation. We actually talked about this in another context on this podcast, which is sort of like your happiness level in life. You've kind of got a default setting that you're going to go back to. Like people who win the lottery, they kind of six months later go back to as happy as they used to be somebody who like loses their legs in a car accident. Oh wait, this I know about. This I've talked about. Yes. 6 months later they're about as happy. Right. So that's hedonic adaptation. So the problem with this is like this explains sort of the third day of Disney World when your kids are whining. Why do we have to stand in line? And you're like, we like
1: save for this vacation for five years. You will have fun. We spent our we're about to do this vacation. So I will be talking about it soon. And it's about to rain and like, you know, and like you're at the wrong
0: end of the park to get the trolley, like whatever you have adapted hedonically. So there was a study that found I thought this was interesting. That the first bite of something that's delicious, a dessert, is more pleasurable than the third bite. And it's way more pleasurable than the 10th bite. By the 10th bite of your dessert, you're already like, okay, that was fun. What else is there?
1: Okay. I mean, I know. (laughs) Does this sound familiar? Well, I mean, I know this, but these are, I don't know. This isn't my lane. I feel like, right, of course it is. But like, eh. So what do you do
0: about it? Well, we become accustomed to... Pleasure, And so it doesn't bring us the same amount of joy, unfortunately, very quickly, because you just adapt to this. Like, yeah, we just like we go to Disney World. Big deal. I didn't get a balloon. You, know, you adapt to it and then want something more. You have to get a sort of a new jolt okay. to get the new hit. And so that's why you're in the middle of the Christmas with the decorations everywhere, like, why isn't this fun? And the kids are complaining. Because a week ago, when the decorations came out, I mean, I still remember my kids, like, with the Fisher Price stuff, when the decorations would come out, they'd be so excited. They'd be looking out the window for elves. And then, you know, two days later, they're bonking each other on the head again. Like, it goes away because you adapt to it. So, if you want your life to be more fun and more lighthearted, I guess this is sort of another argument for intentionality. You have to Engage in things you actively enjoy in order to feel happy. You can't just sort of life flow by you and then wonder why you didn't have more fun. You have to set out to have fun.
1: Well, and it's the argument for expectation management, which is not a depressing concept, which I understand it sounds like, but like, it's really about saying like, I can't wait to go get in that hot mess with my whole extended family and like, go do it. And, you know, maybe your family is such a nightmare, but like, I can't wait to get in an RV with, by the way, my husband couldn't come. So my father-in-law drove the RV. I mean, I can't wait for me and my father-in-law to get in an RV with three kids under 10. Like, of course, my expectation was not like, because every day will be a joyful memory. I was like, here comes the hot mess express, upstate New York, like, look out. And so was it a hot mess? It was, but we went in with this point of view of like, this is not going to be the perfect vacation. This is going to be Christmas vacation. You mean Chevy Chase's Christmas vacation? Yeah. (laughs) And like, we're going to love it. I mean, Christmas vacation, the movie. (laughs) I think we're up to our third oldie luxe alert back in my day. But yes, like <laughs> this is going to be plain. I was going to say plain straights and automobiles. Like I can't find a reference of a movie that came out not forty years ago. But like you need some like Aquafina film to reference here. I know. Like, is there a new movie with young people who go on a disastrous vacation? Because just insert that title here. Because I haven't seen it. Because I'm old. But like, I do think that this is my thesis overall. For me, in my parenting, the number one enemy of fun, the nemesis of fun. The Lex Luthor to Superman's fun Mm. is anxiety. That is the thing that robs me of fun. And that anxiety is, am I doing it right? I'm yelling too much. They're going to hurt themselves. I'm a bad parent life didn't turn out the way I thought it would. I thought I was going to be like a movie star and instead I'm home with three kids who just scream in my face. Is there something wrong with my kid? Is his behavior normal? Oh no, this is going to set him up for a life of disaster behaving this way. Like that is the absolute dark side inverse of fun. So I have found... And I think looking back, I'm like, I'm not sure because I was so anxious with those little, little kids, three kids every single time. I mean, every day was like, oh, you got them out of the car in the wrong order. I put the mobile one down before I unlocked the baby seat. And now he just ran out in traffic. Like Uh, every day is like a constant. It's like that fox hen grain riddle. Like, how do you get them across this road without anyone eating each other, like across the stream? And that. Level of constant anxiety for me made my life not that fun. And I'm not sure if it was that fixable or if it was just something to endure. But now I find that, like, I know that anxiety is the enemy of fun. And so I try when concentrating on the issue of that's why I say to Missy, like, it'll get better because for me, Once they were more sentient and less in danger all the time, it became much more fun for me because the pumpkin patch was like, let's go run around and like go on a stupid ball race and like not, oh my God, did I lose them in this crowd? I could not have fun when I was that anxious about those things. Right. And so I don't know if that's useful to everybody, but for me, it's not, oh my God, self-actualized by getting up a half an hour early and making coffee and relax. Like That doesn't solve my anxiety, so that doesn't up my fun.
0: You and I don't find fun or lighthearted like we're wired differently. So yes, I find more lightheartedness by like getting my own stuff out of the way when the kids aren't around, so that when they are around, I can be a little more, you know, focused on just sitting with them and hearing how their day was. If I need to get up and take a shower first, so I'm not like, come on, come on, come on, come on, and I can be a little more relaxed than that. Yeah, that works for me. So I think you have to find what works for. You based on how you're wired and what makes you, you know, what do you enjoy? It's not the same thing.
1: Yeah. And my fun is like, I found an upstate lake that has bumper boats that let you shoot foam arrows at each other's heads. Like, we're doing that, you know, like I like going and finding fun and like I find the grind grindy, but that's how I've always been my whole life. Like, I, Gretchen Rubin's big thing is like, make your bed before you get up in the morning because it gives you a sense of order. And I'm like, Uh, I find the grind grindy. Like, I get it. I guess she's right. You know, she's not wrong. I don't make my bed. I mean, I'm pretty, I have my act together. I don't make my bed. I don't want any more grind. I don't want any more like fixes. I don't want any more books that are like French people feed their kids at midnight and feed them and they eat whatever. I don't want any more fixes. I want more fun. Can I give you another
0: technique that we might use to create more fun? As long as it's not grindy. It's not grindy. It's a little new agey. Okay. I don't know, guys, how Margaret's going to feel about this.
1: Yeah. I mean. Uh, Possibly acceptable, but likely no. But go ahead. It might help someone who's not me.
0: You are both like practical and not practical in certain ways, I feel like. All right. Let me see. I don't know. Okay. So your subconscious. Okay. I'm worried. Has messages that it receives and gives. And I learned this first as an actor, that when I was going into an audition, an acting teacher taught me this, that if you're going into the audition, like, don't screw up, don't screw up, you know, don't do that, don't hold your hands weird, you know, that your she would say your subconscious doesn't understand the word, don't, it doesn't understand negatives, it just hears, screw up, you know, do that weird thing with your hands. If my kid went to the plate in baseball and was thinking, don't screw up, don't strike out, he was going to be much more likely to strike out than if he was saying, you know, I know how to do this, I'm good at this, I'm gonna you know, swing the bat with ease and I'm gonna hit the ball. You need to set the messages for yourself. So you can ask yourself when you sit down to do something, a question, because your subconscious, the thinking goes, will then try to find the answer to that. So, Give me an example, I'm in so far. So instead of saying, when is this gonna be more fun? you know, you're trying to decorate the Christmas tree and the kid's pulling on it, whatever, and you're like, when is this going to be more fun? You can instead ask the question, how much fun can we have doing this? How much fun can I have today?
1: I support that.
0: And by asking yourself, by wording it positively, instead of why is this so hard, saying how lighthearted can I be about this, that it will make it easier. I use this for my creative work sometimes. When you sit down to write something, it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. If I say to myself how much fun can I have writing this article? How much fun can I have solving this problem? It just makes it all a little lighter. It just makes it all seem a little less important to me. And I can approach it with a little bit more lightheartedness.
1: I like that. And I agree with it. And I think fundamentally, that's the thing of like, what can come out of the equation? What can we do that's more fun? You know, like what makes getting through the day with a 4-3 and infant better? But I think recognizing that, like, these are not going to be the most fun years of your life is also important, too. Right. Like, but if you can say, what can I do to make this more fun? You know what? The kids love baths. What if we have a bath time from 2 p.m. in the afternoon until 3.30? Right. Like, that might be more fun than, like, trying to do an outing where everyone's miserable, you know? That's right. You can keep your fun things
0: small. They don't have to be snow globe worthy with a four-year-old, three-year-old and a the one-year-old They can be in your living room. You don't have to go see Baby Shark Live to have a fun afternoon.
1: And that's a good point because I was saying like I love to find like the crazy thing that's really fun. You can't live like that. And so like it's okay. Not everything is a learning experience too, you know. Not everything has to be like this is important. Like Fun is very, very high on my triangle, I realize. And sometimes, you know, I look at some other people whose kids might be like, (laughs) I don't know, doing a little better than mine. Like, they're probably, I mean, I'm not a tiger mom. You know, I'm like, eh, piano lessons seem annoying. Let's just skip that. (laughs) You know, like, I'm the opposite of a tiger mom. And like, I do, I think I struggle to find the balance, which is like, yeah, but your kid still has to practice their instrument because it's fun to know how to do an instrument eventually. It's just not fun right now. Right. And I mean, I've struggled with that in my own life of being like, today's fun, fun. Let's do it. You know, and it hasn't always panned out for me. I've made some bad choices in search of fun. But, you know, I think that for me, fun's pretty high on the triangle. I'm just like, I want it to be fun, but I couldn't find it. I had a lot of trouble finding it with three kids under five. It wasn't that fun. That's what we... I think, want to
0: give you as a takeaway more than anything else, Missy, is that beating yourself up that you're not loving every moment is a waste of your emotional energy. You're in an intense time that is just one period in your life. And it is tough. And you don't have to love every moment of it to be a
1: good mom. And I don't know, Missy, but if she's like me, I can give you an answer. It gets a lot more fun around four or five. (laughs) Like that's for me when it really got more fun. When they can get in and put themselves in the car seat, when they can take care of their own bathrooming needs, you know, when they can basically be left on a lawn without being worried they'll run into traffic. Like I found once I hit about four or five, the fun level pretty much quadrupled for me. Mm. May not be true for everybody, but I'm having a lot of fun right now. I really loved the baby years, but I
0: will say, as somebody with older kids, I have two teenagers that I think I also thought that the that there was a deadline on the, the fun special times. You know what I mean? That, like, was when they were little that it was supposed to be fun, and then they got older, and you're just driving them to soccer practice, and that's not fun. And I can tell you that that's not true, that having... Teenagers in the House is really fun. They're hilarious. They are. Of course, you want more time with them than you get sometimes. But our house is very fun and lighthearted in ways that I didn't really understand could exist until I was in it with teenagers. So it's possible.
1: I can testify to that. I'm telling you, we went to Amy's birthday party and my husband and I were driving home. and We're like, I don't think we're trying to Amy. That was really fun. Like you're fun people and you do fun things and it's much better. Just admit it, Amy, it's better than having four, three and baby. It is better.
0: It gets better and it gets funner and it gets more lighthearted, but you can choose it in little ways.
1: All right. We want to hear what's going on with you guys and fun. Please don't come to our Facebook page and say, no, it only gets worse. <laughs> we just skip it. If, if you feel that way, we respect and salute you, but keep it to yourself. Okay. No more Debbie Downers. No Debbie Downers. Our Facebook page is at What Fresh WhatFreshHellCast. And from there, you can access, if you want fun, guys, come join our Facebook group where our awesome listeners, moms and dads are talking to each other, giving each other advice and just being hilariously fun. I have to say I'm all for it. It's a great group of people. We're
0: also on Instagram at WhatFreshHellCast and we're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And I'll put links to uh, hedonic adaptation and all that stuff on our website, which is
1: WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. Yeah, I'm going to skip those, Amy, but I love you. <laughs> I'm here for you. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Goodbye.